Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Today, I have an outstanding guest. His name is G.T. Laborde. He's a chief executive officer at Illumicare. At Illumicare, they focus on influencing physician orders by illuminating. And really what they focus on is electronic medical record workflow, the financial and patient safety implications of access utilization. This helps physicians be better stewards of their patient safety, as well as the hospital's resources. GT's had a really long history in healthcare, and what I'd like to do is just open up the mic to him to introduce himself on anything that I may have missed. GT, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, hey, I'm actually a retired attorney, so uh, oh, anyway, right? before healthcare days. <laughs> yeah, and some have told me those retired attorneys are the second best kind of attorneys. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure out everybody's favorite kind, but anyway. Nice. I love that. What got you into the medical sector, GT? Yeah, I had a friend of mine from high school, actually, who, brilliant guy, and um, he invented a data mining techniques in the late 90s to track infections in hospitals. Uh, and I was always, I'm an economics major and, and always had kind of a business and entrepreneurial and, and sort of finance mind and knew one day that he might invent something and we would, uh, we would make a company out of it. And that's what happened. So we built a company called MedMind that tracked infections in hospitals and did quite well with that. And that's where we really kind of built the team and cut our teeth on understanding uh, healthcare and finances and the nitty gritty of healthcare data and all, all that good stuff. Wow. That is fascinating. And you know, one of the things, GT, that I find so interesting is that as I chat with the healthcare leaders in in our industry, the power of thinking, and you sort of planted the seed back when you knew you were going to create something with your friend. And fast forward, here you guys are creating different businesses together. And the message there for the listeners is your thoughts are the field which you sow your future. And as we work to create better outcomes and reduce inefficiencies in healthcare, what is it that you're thinking and how is it that it's playing out in your life? So really appreciate you sharing that, GT. Yeah, you bet. Today, Illumicare is based on the idea of another friend of mine, actually, who is also a practicing uh, physician. So, you know, I find I'm, I'm the business guy that comes along and takes these great ideas that these docs who have their their hands in the middle of it and see opportunities to improve the process and try and make them reality. Really, that's a talent, GT. You know, to be able to turn ideas into businesses is not easy. What is it that you believe helps you do that? You know, you just need a, well, firstly, I, I put all the, you know, really, they're the ones who have come up with the with the genius idea and, and how we really need to change things. You know, they're just so many little blocking and tackling kinds of skills that you need to kind of turn that into reality. You have to understand how to protect that intellectual property. You have to understand really what's going to be possible and how you could make it easy on on health systems or providers to adopt the solution that you have in mind. So think of things from their perspective. And, you know, obviously the easier you can make it on them to adopt what you're thinking about, the more likely it is you're going to be successful in, in selling them, you know, that thing. Um, and then there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of other skills, accounting and recruiting and being able to find the other 
technologists and salespeople and all those other, you know, the army of other people that you need to make it successful. And then the ability to raise money to fund all of that effort. There's just a lot of little things that you've got to do just right. And even if you do them all just right, you might still fail. That's the curse of entrepreneurship. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so you, you've been around the block several times, obviously, successfully. And so success becomes a habit in your time in this field. What would you say, you know, now we're here and now you're with Illumicare, what's a big area of focus that should be on the agenda of healthcare leaders today? I really believe in, and, and Illumicare is really all about making the cost of things transparent to providers. It really was amazing. And we, as we got into in really investigating prior studies and so forth, the, the one piece of data that the providers who are being asked, by the way, to provide, quote, value-based care, but then no one ever tells them at the time they're making these decisions what things cost. If someone told us to go into a restaurant and get good value for our money, and we opened up the menu and there are no prices on the menu and there are no prices on the wine list, oh, how exactly are we supposed to do that? You that know? could get out of control um, quickly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Should I buy this Pinot from Oregon or this, you know, this other wine? You know, if there's not a price on any bottle, I don't, I'm not sure how you're supposed to make a value-based decision. There were efforts in healthcare to kind of make prices transparent to consumers, but we really, you know, I mean, and, and those have had mixed results. And the problem is that consumers don't really choose. They don't know enough to know really what an appropriate alternative is or what really is in their best judgment. So the experts who have that knowledge are the physicians, are the providers. And so really it's about informing them and making costs transparent to them so that they can really exercise their clinical judgment, understand really what's appropriate and what is the most efficient way of doing what needs to be done. Yeah, that's a really great point. And to your knowledge, GT, what percentage of, of physicians out there are given this transparency in pricing? It's a very difficult thing. I think, I think that percentage is tiny. The problem with doing this Many physicians get told sort of after the fact, they have these quarterly or, or periodic meetings with administrators who may tell them, look, you're, you tend to be a high cost provider relative to your peers on this specific DRG or something like that. But that's not very actionable. I mean, you know, sitting in those meetings, it's very hard for a provider to know, like, well, what decision do you want me to make differently? Because really, that's what happens at the end of a quarter is really an accumulation of a thousand little decisions, right? And so the key is, is to giving this cost data to people in real time, as in when they're making the decision or when making the next decision of what to do. And the challenge with that is that the clinical data that you get in real time is often dirty. It's, it's often unstructured. It mm -hmm. absolutely doesn't have unique identifiers that in any way match supply chain data. So for example, you may see a clinical order for an IV medication and it's in milliequivalents. Well, even the identifier of that medication in the clinical data very frequently doesn't match the identifier of that drug in supply chain data. So if you go to pharmacy and you ask how much this costs, there isn't like one number or one unique identifier that ties the two together. And oh, by the way, they don't buy anything in a milliequivalent. It's a unit of measure that's an expression of a combination of a certain amount of drug and when a certain amount of saline given over a certain drip rate over a certain time frame. So you have a problem with units of measure are different. You can't even tie the two identifiers together. It's a lot of work to do this in real time. And that's why 
really so few people do it or, or very, you know, few, if any, do it. It's because it's just it has all these inherent difficulties in doing it. So those are all the difficulties technically that you have to overcome if you want to actually achieve this kind of transparency. And how is it that Illumicare helps get around that? It's just because even in our prior business, we've just had about 15 or 20 years of working with real-time HL7 feeds from hospitals and building systems that can both auto-map things as well as systems that are very sophisticated and efficient in handling outliers and even having humans deal with the, the really extreme cases all in real time. So it's a huge infrastructure that enables you to kind of keep up with this, this constant flow, 24-7 flow of healthcare data, of messy you know, healthcare data, and turn it into something that is structured and really amenable to financial and risk analysis so that you can give providers something in real time that helps them make better decisions. That's really fascinating. It sounds like you guys embed yourselves in the infrastructure and make it possible that way. Can you give the listeners an example of how Lubicare has created results through the system? Absolutely. So it's been studied in both academic settings as well as community hospitals. In several of these places, what we've done is essentially run kind of a controlled trial where you take say, hospitalist and internal medicine physicians, and you may take two-thirds of them and provide and give them this tool that, by the way, just appears either embedded within or hovers on top momentarily of the electronic medical record. And then if they don't interact with it, it automatically minimizes and gets out of their way. So a lot of the design of this thing is that it's meant to be kind of not workflow friendly, let's say. I was looking at some of the screenshots on your website and it looks pretty slick. Yeah, we worked with about 145 physicians in building it. And one of the, you know, one of the recurring themes was we have alert fatigue. Don't slow down the workflow. I, I want you to be there. If I want to learn something or I want to access something, I want it to be available but I don't want to have to click something, dig through something. Don't slow me down yeah. if, if I'm, you know, so don't obstruct my workflow. And so we really built it with a physician's view because, of course, my, my business partner is a practicing doc and, and hates being slowed down. So yeah. um, that's part of it. But yeah, in both academic and, and community centers, we run these tests where because of the nature of how it's engineered, you don't have to give it to every physician in the hospital initially. You can really pick and choose which physicians have access to it. And so we'll give it to like two-thirds of the hospitalist and two-thirds of the internal medicine docs and, and then not give it, use as controls the other third in the same hospital. And then we'll track their spending habits. So we know every order for a medication, a lab, a radiology test of every provider. We know who the ordering provider is and we know the cost of those tests. So we can kind of track historically, the spending of each provider on a DRG-adjusted basis, so on a risk-adjusted basis. Mm -hmm. And then does that spending change after they get access to this tool? And then does, does that change in spending differ from the controls who didn't ever have access to it? So it's both a historical comparison as well as a comparison to a control group of the same type of doc in the same hospital. And in every case we've done that, we're finding that the providers who have access to it lower the cost of care by something like 200 to $300 per admission. So when they see cost data, it really causes them to be, it does two things. It causes them to be 
more diligent, more thoughtful in, in their ordering. So that really kind of translates to fewer orders per patient or per patient day. And then when they see in their mind two drugs that are clinically equivalent in this situation and one is five times more expensive than the other, they tend to choose the cheaper one. They're not wasteful. I mean, it, providers do the right thing if they have the right information. Absolutely. And so the combination of those two things ultimately means that it both lowers the cost of care, it lowers the amount of resources being consumed on an inpatient stay, which is really good for hospitals because for most of their patients, they get paid some fixed fee, whether it's some fixed fee arrangement like an ACO or whether it's a DRG payment or whatever. I mean, the vast majority, they get a penny saved as a penny earned for them. Right. But it's also good for patients because really everything that we do for every drug, you know, when we, when we give a patient 12 and 14 medications, and, you know, we stick them 60, 70 times mm -hmm. to run a bunch of labs that may or may not be absolutely necessary. It's not good for patients. It's everything that we do to them involves some risk. And so it isn't just about making the costs transparent, but we also make those clinical risks transparent. So we show providers, hey, here's how much radiation exposure this patient has received and what the cancer risk of just that medical radiation exposure means to them in their lifetime. Here's how much blood you've taken from the patient in phlebotomy and the risk of anemia from all those sticks. Here's, they're on three antibiotics. Here's the increased risk of them getting C. diff because of what you're doing, because of the current prescriptions they're on. Now, we never say, therefore, you should change or whatever. We never tell a doctor what to do, but we bring to light these kind of human and economic costs and give them and allow them to make decisions with that in mind. I think that's super interesting. And it sounds like you found a home in these three levers of medication costs, lab costs, and radiation. We settled on those because those are three items of marginal spend. So when you, you know, many people say, well, we like to save hospitals money because we can reduce length of stay or something like that. And what you find when you're a CFO of a hospital is it's really hard to then look to a department budget and say, okay, you know, we've reduced length of stay by 0.2 days. I can see that savings here, sort of a large amorphous thing. And so, whereas when providers are switching from the five times as expensive drug to the one, you know, to the cheaper drug, right. you can look at the pharmacy line item and say, wow, we're spending a lot less on this very expensive drug, or wow, we're, you know, we're running a lot fewer of these tests and therefore whether it's ordering fewer reagents or whether it's spending less on send outs to reference labs, whatever it is, that cost becomes, I mean, you can actually point to a line item and say, wow, yes. I can see the results of that. And these are three things that are provider controlled. You know, we thought about, does it make any sense to tell a provider what a, you know, what a gauze cost or something like No, they can't do anything about that. But they are exercising judgments about what medications a patient gets or what labs will be ordered. I mean, it is the providers that control that. And therefore, if you're going to put something in their workflow, put something that they have control over. So that you can help them make a better decision. I think that's really great. And, you know, GT, I've, I've been in conversations with a lot of healthcare leaders and, and you're right. I mean, it's to speak to a CFO about savings through cost avoidance, like through reducing length of stay or something like that. It, it's not as hard, cold as a line item as these. And I think it's pretty cool how you've aligned these three physician controlled costs and uh, it, it's an easy way, not, not necessarily easy, but easier way to truly understand the savings that you're giving a system. I'm floored by how affordable this looks. I mean, I'm looking at the site here and per patient, it's like $12.50. Right. So, yeah. Why is it so, so cheap? Point, we're, we're, 
<laughs> well, what's really interesting about this platform is this. It can display other information. So really the displaying of cost and risk is like the first thing that we can do for health systems. And what becomes fun for our customers is they adopt this and they see these huge savings and they're paying not that much for the platform. And so it's something that they like and, and that they're very positive about. But then they start to think about, well, if you have this platform that can put information in front of physicians in a non-intrusive way, oh, by the way, we can actually show different things to different users and different things in different environments. So the way that we've engineered this little ribbon is that it can show one thing to a case manager, something different to a oncologist, something different to a hospitalist, something different if the patient is in the ED or ambulatory versus on a particular inpatient unit. So hospitals have the flexibility after they've sort of adopted this platform to begin to leverage it in other ways. And, wow. and so hospitals can then spend more to do more with it. It becomes fun for them to see, you know, a way of sort of, of using it to do lots of different things. And so we've seen them bring in pharmacogenomic data, you know, at the point of care. We've seen them use it to bring in population health type things on an outpatient basis to bring in predictive analytics at the point of care. There are all these, you know, there's lots of data that can help providers that isn't in the EMR. So it really becomes kind of this malleable tool to do other things with as well. That's fascinating. And I think it's cool that you just kind of, hey, here's, here's some capabilities that we've seen are proven. Now that you've seen how they work, it's up to you how you want to morph this tool and, and Illumicare will help you get there. Let me just, you know, pause and, and, and give, give physicians a lot of credit here. Uh, the biggest issue, there are two things that when we really started the company that seemed to be administrators' biggest worry. A, that physicians would, would find it, you know, would they even want to know what mm-hmm. things cost, especially because they don't really directly make any more money if they're making these decisions appropriately. Would they even care? And I have to say that there's, you know, and every, every provider we talked to said, man, give me the information and I will, I will do the right thing. It's like, trust me to do the right thing. And now more and more people, I mean, I had two, you know, I met with two large health systems over the last just four or five days. And both of them without prompting said, this is something that our, our physicians are asking for. They want to know what things cost. They're conscious about it and they would like us to provide that to them. I just want to give a shout out to, you know, the physicians to say they, they really will do the right thing if we, if we give them the information that empowers them. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great shout out, GT. And this thing is really, really awesome. It wasn't always. So maybe, maybe you can share mm-hmm. with the listeners a setback or a mistake that you made in the process of building it and sort of what you took from that moment. I tell you, the hardest thing about building something like this is taking the responsibility to make it work in every different environment. So here's what I mean by that. The easiest way to build a solution is to get all this data from the hospital, whether HL7 or some other way, and then build a website that people log into because you can control that environment. You can control how it's displayed, what it looks like. You don't have to worry about integrating with anything else. And we really kind of set out to say, how can we build this in a way that is so flexible that you don't have to integrate it with the EMR? It will work on its own and display as you change patients in the EMR, it will also kind of change patients. It will sort of match you. It will maintain context, it's called. But to do that involves so much complexity. And, and there was a lot of, you know, is this really going to be possible? Can we really do this? And, and that took a good probably year, year and a half to figure out 
you know, of lots of ups and downs and failures of how do you, without controlling the inputs in the environment necessarily, because you want to be able to do it on top of Epic, on top of Cerner, on top of McKesson, on top of all these different Meditech, all these different EMRs without having to directly integrate with them. Can you build something that flexible? And boy, there were a lot of, there were a lot of bumps along that engineering road, you know, where you're just hoping that it flashes on the screen, right? And it does it and you're like, oh, you got to go back and fix something. And so that's the hardest part is if, if you're willing to take the heavy lifting so that the hospital doesn't have to do it to implement your solution, then it means you have to engineer all kinds of flexibility into your solution to be able to adapt to all these crazy environments you find when you, you know, doing business with many hospitals. So. And so are you guys able to interface with all the different EMR systems at this point? When we started building this, you know, like the word interface is a four letter word for most hospital IT folks, you know, mm-hmm. because there are just so many projects that, you know, that kind of deep integration or, you know, back and forth with the EMR causes all kinds of, of headaches and, and upgrade problems and all kinds of other stuff. And so we set out to try and build something that was EMR agnostic and required no integration. And it's like, boy, how do you do that? And why would you do that? And the why is because we can implement faster. You know, like once somebody decides they want what you have, I want to validate that decision as fast as I can. So the way that, you know, by implementing it and beginning to show value and the people who trusted us along the way to give us the honor to work for their health system, I want to be able to demonstrate results to them as fast as possible. And so, but to do that means that you've got to engineer it in a way that you can really implement it without a lot of heavy lifting on the part of the hospital. And that means you can use whatever HL7 feeds they have. They don't have to build one to your spec. It means I don't require integration with the EMR. I've already figured out how to display this on on the screen without having to integrate anything within the EMR. It's all of these little things that you engineer into your solution to make it with really an eye to implementation ease. Right. Um, because the easier you make it on them, the faster it'll go for everybody and the more they'll they'll appreciate you as a vendor. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It sounds like you, you guys sat back and you asked the question early on, you know, what are the main obstacles to adoption? And certainly, you know, one of the things that happens is the integration piece with all these EMRs, the fees that are associated with it. And you guys tackled that head on and it wasn't the easy thing to do, but it sounds like it's really worked out as an access point for you all. So nice work on that. That's really interesting how you guys did that. I appreciate it. We just have a soft heart. I mean, I certainly do for hospital CIOs. They have a, a super hard job. I mean, a hospital is a difficult place to run. You know, there are a lot of different, a lot of different moving parts, a lot of complexity, lots of different IT solutions that may or may not talk to one another that you've got to make play nice with everything. And it's a tough job. So, you know, our view is how can we make us as painless as possible to uh, the hospital IT so that they can worry about other things. So, for sure. So what would you say one of the, your most proudest medical leadership experiences that you've experienced to date is? I just really love sitting down with the administrators, customers who have trusted you, the CEOs and the CIOs and the CMOs and the CMIOs, those people who get involved in acquiring Illumicare and being able to come back to them within a month or two months or three months of go live and show them the results that their providers are having with this tool. It's just so heartening that you validate the decision that they've made. You really can help them. I mean, one CEO recently told a a group uh, that they're having their best year financially and they attribute some of that, just a bit of that to this solution and, and even said, you know, Physicians aren't generally positive about most IT things that we do for them, but this is one I've kind of randomly overheard providers speaking positively about. So, you know, it's just the validation that you get that, you know, when you're doing the right thing and you really are both providers and administrators value what you do and your solution. It's, 
it's awesome. Yeah, that's really great. I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, it definitely sounds like the differentiated piece on this is the ease of use. So let's go to a part of the podcast here where we build a medical leadership course together on what it takes to be successful. It's the 101 or the ABCs of GT. And so oh we're, <laughs> we're going to write out the syllabus together and it's a lightning round. There's four questions. And after we, we finish that with your brief answers, you'll recommend a book to the listeners. You ready? Okay. All right. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I mean, obviously, given my life's work, I believe it's cost transparency. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? In running a business or in running healthcare or in healthcare? You know, I would say whatever comes to your mind right now. Man, not organizing your personal life in a way that allows you to be successful at work. You know, it's family first, obviously, and um, it's sort of God and family and getting, you know, getting that stuff right um, will help you you really kind of, really kind of invest yourself in your life's work because you've got that stuff right. I love that, man. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? You have to constantly change too. <laughs> really. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know, I wake up every day trying to do today better than I did yesterday and try to improve what we do over what we did yesterday. I love it. What is one area of focus that should drive all else in your organization? Just the customer experience. If you are bringing value to the provider making decisions and empowering them to make better decisions for patients and for resource you know, allocation, everything else will take care of itself. Awesome. And what would you say the book that you recommend for our listeners? It's an oldie, but still a goodie. I think it's Crossing the Chasm. I recently reread it and I think you have to understand that and maybe the Gartner hype cycle. You sort of have to understand the technology adoption life cycle. And if you're building a solution or have some new innovation, understand where you are in the adoption of that. And that will, in many cases, drive the way you communicate about it, how you have to influence its adoption, price it. I mean, there are just so many implications about introducing new innovation that it's important to understand the technology adoption life cycle. That's pretty cool. I've never read that. And that's uh, Jeffrey Moore, right? I think that's right. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, Outcomes Rocket listeners, it's uh, make marketing and selling high-tech products to mainstream consumers. This is one that I'll definitely add to my list. Appreciate you sharing. And you to the listeners, all the things that we've discussed here with GT, you'll be able to find it on our website. If you go to www.outcomesrocket.com, com slash gt you'll be able to find the show notes and also links to any of the things that we've discussed including this book and also illumicare and all the services that they provide and so before we conclude gt i know the time just flies i really just enjoyed our time together i'd like to just open up the mic to you one more time so you could share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you closing thought i guess would be that you know healthcare is complicated it's dynamic it's super tough to run a healthcare organization. I get that. I mean, your, your you know, your reimbursement changes every year. It's, and, and then it's, you know, every 10 years, it's radically different in the makeup of insurance and government, you know, reimbursement and so forth. It's, it's incredibly difficult. And then there's all kinds of innovation that happens in, in actual care and medicines and, and procedures and things like that. So it's, it's an amazingly dynamic field, but I don't think that should discourage us from, from trying to, 
you know, make it more efficient from trying to put our own stamp and our own influence on it. And so I'm just excited to play just a little part in that effort and enjoy really working with some of the best healthcare systems in the country to figure out how we can help them become more efficient. And what would you say the best place for the listeners to reach you? Yeah, our website has uh, contact us information and um, that's the best way to get through to me. Awesome. Hey, well, really appreciate you spending the time here. I know you're you're pouring your heart and soul into into this work that you're up to. And and for the listeners, if something that that GT said struck a chord with you, take a look at the website. Check out what they're up to. It really looks like a fantastic platform to help reduce inefficiencies and really do a better job for our patients and also our providers. And so, just want to thank you again, GT, for spending time with us. Hope to connect with you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.